Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra. I'm your host, and I'm looking forward to today because today is another interview episode as part of our career change after 40 interview series. And today we are going to get to know a little bit about the lovely Jane Walters. Jane, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to chatting with you and finding out all about your transition in your work life. And as I mentioned before we started recording, you know, the intention for this project that I set myself this year of interviewing 40 women who've made career change to start their own business after the age of 40. It's been a really fascinating and interesting journey to speak with women that are at different stages of that transition, that are in very different kinds of industries and different reasons why they made the change. And so I'm looking forward to finding out more about your story, knowing that the more of these stories that we can share, the more inspiration I think people have and see how possible it is to do and that 40 is not too late not by a long shot absolutely yeah what we what we I think I heard something recently that was like we can't be what we can't see so I think having examples of other people who've done it before is is really powerful that is such a great little quote Mm. (laughs) this should be the the um the mantra for this whole interview series Yeah. So what about Jane? Can you just set us up, give us some context around what is it that you used to do for work and what is it that you do now? Yeah, of course. So I used to be a financial planner. I I also used to be in a lot of other financial services role, but essentially I've been in finance pretty much my whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I most of it was really about advising individuals and businesses on their finances and investments and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, while I was in it early on in it, I absolutely loved it, but I just sort of got to a stage where it wasn't fulfilling me in a way that I kind of wanted it to. And what I do now is is to still in the finance industry, but it's it's a very different slant on it in that I am a financial coach. So rather than telling people what to do, I help people make their own decisions around their finances. Mm-hmm. And it's a much more of a mix of personal development as well as um, helping them with the, getting the right tools on the practical side as well. Yeah. And yeah. they're both really important, which I'm sure we're going to dive into. Yeah. Um, but can I just pick up on something that you said, which I think is a really important note to make, and that is that you said that you've been in finances pretty much your whole career and that you used to kind of really love it, mm. but then it just wasn't really working for you anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's quite common. And I'm curious about what you think, if you've got any thoughts on why do you think that happens, that you can be in an industry where you feel like, oh, this is so great and fulfills me in so many ways, and then 
whether it's all of a sudden or over time, mm. that feeling isn't there anymore. Do you have any insights about why you think that happens? Yeah, and, and I think it's also um, a lot in my circumstance specifically because I can really only talk, talk to that is, is I think that over time I've learned more about myself and who I am and what's important to me. And mm. there is still a lot that I love about finances and I love um, I love a good spreadsheet and I love the numbers <laughs> side of it. Yeah. Don't, judge, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> you are talking to a fellow spreadsheet lover. <laughs> My <laughs> husband thinks that I am a complete freak. We've been doing a renovation on our house and yeah. it was one of those things where uh, it just kept getting bigger. We kept going, oh, while we're doing this, we might as well do that. And so I really wanted to keep track of like where we were spending on what and all that. So I created this like mega spreadsheet. Even the project manager we had was like, whoa. <laughs> and but for me, it just gave such clarity on yes. Well, this is this is the the reality. And I don't necessarily love love the process of it, but I love the insight and the intel that you get from the, yeah. the data that gets spat out. Definitely. And I I know that I'm quite a visual person and I do love that clarity as well. So I think I do love the spreadsheets um, side of it. But so I do still really enjoy that. And that's why I think I still stayed within the finance area. But um, I think for me over time, I've, um, I've, this is, it probably sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it's, it's more that I have, um, I, I really am more about balancing the masculine and feminine energy um, mm-hmm. within myself and I found that when I was early on in my career I kind of denied the feminine energy within me and over time as I've embraced that more I realized how much of a masculine energy there is in the pure finance world and I think going into this venture that I've gone into now being a financial coach I've actually been able to balance that masculine and feminine energy within me and I think everyone's balance of that is very unique to themselves but for me I've found a place where I can honor both of those energies if that makes sense amazing it totally makes sense and it's so interesting it's like you and I have been living these parallel lives because I had a similar realization on that woo-woo side of things where uh to add to it I suspected for a while that I'd very much been investing in my masculine side through being you know an absolute workaholic I loved my work uh, and it was such a big part of my life and at some stage I went to like the mind body spirit festival or some one of those kind yeah. of things and they there was a stand there where they were doing aura uh photographs yeah. no, there was aura photographs and then there was a um like a face profile um oh. and face readings and they take a photo of your face and then they do they slice it and put in the middle, there's just your face as it normally is. And then they put two right halves of your face together to form a whole and two left halves together to form a whole, showing oh, wow. the masculine never and the heard feminine. Of that. And, well, I still I should find that photo if I can somewhere in our packing boxes. The, looking at these three photos, yes, obviously they were all photos of me, but they each were very, very different. And I can remember, I can't believe I'm talking about this story, but I can remember looking at the feminine version and seeing how sad she looked. And it was really interesting that even literally I've got this mop of curly hair 
literally how my curls sat mm. on the feminine side looked flat. Like it was, I should find it and actually talk about it because it was one of those moments where it was just a visual confrontation of yeah. where I was investing my energy. Yeah, those so, things are really yeah. powerful because they they shine a light back onto yourself and actually help you face, literally in your case, face the truth of where you are and <laughs> and the parts of yourself you're yeah. like denying essentially. Um, and I think it's yes. so common for so many people because the corporate world is set up as a masculine structure, you know. It is a very mm-hmm. – and it's um, – designed to be a push 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 and I think as the world itself we need to have masculine energy but we also need to have the feminine energy and I think that unfortunately the corporate side does tend to focus too heavily on the masculine side yeah totally agree so that was an interesting tangent already yes, there was. in the conversation <laughs> <laughs> But I can, I can understand that. So when if we go back to what we're supposed to be talking about, although this is all very relevant, I think, it is. Um, to when you get to this point of, as you've said, getting to know a little bit more about yourself and what's important and what you care about and what suddenly just looks like political crap that's like, really, this is what my life has come to? Uh, for, for you, was this a, a gradual realisation that you wanted to do something different or did something happen as like a, the impetus for you to go, that's it, I'm out of this this type of, of job or career? Um, I think it had been bubbling away for a few years. And then I think probably the biggest catalyst was um, when I had my first child, um, mm-hmm. just because it had, it was such a shock to the system. Um, it was a big, I think I had created a lot of my identity around my work and so then I it was a catalyst for me to start looking at myself and so it didn't then I didn't then decide oh I'm just going to change everything now it was like many years of personal development work and trying little businesses on the side and having a like maybe stepping back a little bit so I did a bit of part-time work thinking maybe that's what I need to do um Mm -hmm looking back it all looks like oh this is how it all happened but during it it was a very messy process so it it would have been like over about five or six years I mean my daughter is like almost eight now so it's it probably it was after she was born that I started then um, that's then when things started to unravel before I then started raveling them back up again um, in a different way so that was probably like a very complex a very complex knitting pattern that you're yeah. raveling and unraveling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And again, so, yeah. you've raised a really, uh, really fantastic insight for people that perhaps are early in considering what's next for me. Yeah. In that sometimes, especially as high achieving driven women, we can want to see the perfect plan ahead of us. We can want to know the exact direction or, you know, the specific offering or whatever it might be. But the reality is it's very rare that that happens as a single bound. And so I'm glad that you shared that this was a a process of experimentation, a little bit of, you know, some side gigs, some playing around with part-time, because I think for different people it can involve a bit of that work and it can feel so uncomfortable to be in that base of it the fuzzy front end and we just want to skip to the other side yeah and and I wanted I wanted 
clarity before I moved. Like I was like, I just need to find what it is that I need to be doing. And then I just, as soon as somebody tells me what I should be doing, I'll just go and do that. And I'm like, I've had a very successful career to date. I know that I can put everything into it and I'll make a success, but I just need to know what that thing is. But I think it it doesn't generally hit us like a light bulb. It's like the clarity comes in the actual doing. And so you have to try lots of different things to work out like whether that's the right fit for you, whether that's the the direction you should, and, and then tapping into whether that is aligned with what's important for you so there's like it's definitely not it wasn't a quick fix for me because I had a lot of learning to do about myself and getting out there and trying things Mm, yeah and look that that process of experimentation as you said it can be really uncomfortable and it can be the reason that people avoid even making any kind of start but I totally agree with you that that you know the that feeling of wanting clarity before you move. I hear that a lot. And what I tend to um, counter that with is that clarity comes from action. And and it doesn't have to be I'm quitting my job today. An action could be I'm going to read this book or I'm going to start listening to this podcast or I'm going to do this course or Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, whatever the thing might be to start to get curious and explore and that that will then show you, are you really interested in that path or it just sounds good or is it what other people expect of you? All of that kind of stuff tends to bubble away as well. So on that point, how did other people in your life respond when you made the decision to start your own thing? Were people, had they seen that coming for you or were they like, what the hell are you doing? How, how did other people respond? Um, I think it was a bit of everything depending on the, the person involved. So, And yes. it's also one thing with that is understanding that their responses are about them as well. So, for mm. example, my husband, he was like, yes, I knew, I always knew you wanted to do something different and that you want, there was something else inside you. And then, but I had someone like my dad saying, oh, but, you know, you earn so much money in finance and, you know, what are you going to do if, you know, because at the time I think I was talking about starting a, I'd started a cookie business <laughs> mm-hmm. and he was like, you're never going to make enough money in that. And of do course, you know my, how many cookies you have to sell to replace your income? <laughs> exactly. And, and eventually I got to that point where I'm like, that's a lot of cookies. I don't think I want to be doing that all day. <laughs> um, but it was a, it was an experiment and he was very much on that you know scarcity and from a a kind place of kindness which is caring about me and you know seeing my potential in the money-making area of being in finance but then there's different people who had very different responses and um yeah and even with this business I I think also with the the fact that I'm having to get out there more and be more visible like there's uh, there's some people who are like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. And even before I started this business, I had a couple of friends who are like, do you think anyone's going to pay you money to do that? Why didn't? Why wouldn't they just go and see a financial planner? And I was like, first of all, trying to explain to them how it was different and the difference that I could make and everything. And then I was like, they're just not going to get it. And, you know, that's about them. It's not about me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, different people have very different responses. <laughs> yeah. And it's so good to hear that too because I think different people, depending on their circle of friends and their family environment, 
either seem to have an existing cohort of people in their lives that are entrepreneurial minded and so they are more likely to embrace that kind of a direction or people tend to have a real bulk of people in their life that are employees who just don't quite get why you would leave the security of a job um, to go and do your own thing. They don't really get the whole marketing side of things. And so it can be one of the other hurdles that people have to face when they start doing their own thing and starting their own business is finding people that actually do understand that drive and that Mm -hmm. process. And And it doesn't make your friends bad at all. It just means that, you know, they're um, engaged with a different kind of work life and, you know, but there are lots of people out there that that do get it and that can support you through all the inevitable challenges and hurdles that you have to get over when you make that kind of a move. Yeah, absolutely. Not everyone's going to get it and that's fine. And also it's not like you have to give up those friends. It's just that you get certain things from different people in your lives and you just understand that you're not going to get that type of support from those people. And that's okay as long as you search for or look out for the people who are supporting you in that way or people who've done it before you and actually can give you advice and want to see you succeed as well. So important. Yeah, for sure. And that is one of the things that I think people don't necessarily know coming into doing their own business is that it does it does open up that uh, need for you to, to find those right kind of people that are uh, in the business space Mm. And that you can still love your friends and still love your family. And when family, especially, you know, dads do tend to fall into that bucket often <laughs> of being kind of the conservative concern. One, my, my brother also was very concerned for me early on. Yeah. Um, but I also remember someone who actually was an ex-boyfriend, so we put that straight away into a different <laughs> bucket of, of, of priority, where he made a comment um, about one of my career changes where he felt like I hadn't changed enough. I went from radio to TV and they were just too similar. And it was kind of, I remember thinking like, oh, well, like, thanks for that. And (laughs) it's so interesting how different people can have those sort of opinions of what you do and what you don't do. And so it's just all part of the process, I think. And that's also about their stuff. Like he, totally. he's obviously, he obviously needs to make drastic decisions in his life to think that he's made a change. So, yeah. you know, yeah, which is fine. That's his yeah. life, right? That's his, <laughs> that's his life and best of luck with that. Yeah. So back to you, when you actually did make the change, did you start the financial coaching whilst you were still employed? And so doing that sort of side a gig approach or was it a, a like a rip a band-aid off how did you actually make that transition yeah so it was a bit of a rip a band-aid off um mm-hmm. in I also I I <clears throat> I was doing contract a contract and the contract came to an end mm-hmm. and and so it came to an end quite quickly because they just decided that they didn't have the money to keep paying for me um probably because I was a bit expensive but um, as you should be (laughs) um and so I was like oh well I kind of didn't expect that to happen and then I was like well I have been wanting to make some change for such a long time and I've been wanting to go to do this sort of coaching thing um why don't I just take this as an opportunity to actually just jump in and do it and so Mm. um 
I was, I'm fortunate enough that um, we could arrange our finances to, and again, I have the benefit of knowing about personal finance, but we cut back in a lot of areas so that we can live off my husband's income for as long as we need to. Mm-hmm. Like, it just means that we probably don't get to go on holidays as much and we have to make sacrifices in some areas, but it means that I don't have or I haven't had this pressure of, oh, I have to earn a minimum of this to make sure we can live. We decided to make sure that we had a good buffer of savings, which we we did anyway, and to make sure that we are not spending, overspending on areas. And it's about it was about making the small sacrifices so that I could build the business up. Um, and so it was, it then enabled me to jump in and just put everything into the business. Mm. Um, and it was, I mean, it's, it's funny because now with going through the COVID situation, like we've actually found that we've saved a lot more money. And, and when, like what back then when I was starting the business, I was thinking, oh, how are we going to live on, you know, this <laughs> amount of money? And you go yeah. through and you think, oh, everything is, everything's essential. But actually, if you want to do something enough and it's enough of a priority, then you usually find some way to make it work. And we've we have made it work to a point where now I can start contributing back to the family again, which is it's which is amazing. It's it feels so good. Yeah. And look, the whole finance piece, and I think this this part of the conversation is going to be even more interesting than usual because of your knowledge and passion around finances, that what I have found is that the money side of things is one of the first handbrakes that holds women back from making this kind of a change. And especially if they have that either the belief or the need to replace their high-level corporate income yeah. in a new in a new business straight, straight away. away. Because that generally doesn't happen. Yep, sure, there no. could be a few outlier people out there where that does happen, but I think it's very rare. And so yeah. having a financial plan, a strategy around how the money side of things is going to work with starting a new business yeah. is so important. And different people, you know, take different uh, approaches. You've mentioned that you already had you know, a, a good level of um, savings, which is great, and yeah. also being able to look at cutting back. And it's interesting because I think it is true that we can get so accustomed to certain things as just mm-hmm. being basics or yeah. essentials, uh, and then when push comes to shove, you can start to kind of go, oh, actually, that subscription to, you know, do I really get value from it? But it Mm. requires you to actually look at your spending with a different lens and not a lens of poverty or or, restriction. um, Yes, all of that kind of what's called austerity where you're just holding everything back and just being mean. Uh, It's actually looking with a, a, a curious mind to be looking at the exchange of value. And it is amazing what you can actually decide I'm not as attached to that or or I don't, you know, that doesn't mean anything. And also to realise the things that might surprise you that actually if I have to choose between this or that, I'm choosing this thing every time. And sometimes it may not be the thing that you thought it would be, but it's just about considering it instead of taking for granted that you can afford it so you should spend the money. Yeah, there's, there's like there's a couple of things there which is, 
first of all is that whole idea of um, lifestyle creep and that the more money yes. that you earn, the more money you spend, and then you think I have to earn more and I have to just to su- su- um, support the life I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then it also means that there's like a kind of a, those golden handcuffs things where yes. it's like the more that you earn, you think, well, I can't ever let go of this job because it supports this lifestyle that I have instead of thinking, well, actually maybe I should make a change to the lifestyle rather than to this job which, you know, drains the life out of me. Yes. Um, And the other part of that is around mindset. And I love what you talked about with choice because I think the idea of choice brings so a completely different energy to a decision. Like you can decide not to spend as much on X, Y, Z because you have to or because it's, you know, somebody says you shouldn't spend on something and that feels like a deprivation and a restriction Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. if you're saying I am choosing not to spend on these things because I want to support this new venture because it's important to me like they are Mm -hmm. the same actions with completely different energies behind them yeah and this is why I am so passionate about working with women around their money mindset as part of this transition because it is a piece of the puzzle that uh, is often overlooked. Women don't tend to like to talk about money. I think probably women are getting better at it now, but it is really important to be looking at the the energetic side of things that you're bringing to how you think and feel and act around money as well as the kind of practical side of what you do with it, which is why I really love what you're doing and offering um, yeah. to the world. And, and so it's other- so fascinating. It's so fascinating because it does, we can sometimes hold ourselves back so much by these beliefs that we have about ourselves and around money that we're completely in our subconscious. And it's only once you start talking to people about these things that it actually brings it to the surface. And then you can start questioning. It's like, oh, actually, and my value is just as much now as what it will be as it was when I was, you know, earning the, the high income. Um, you mm. know, those type of, of conversations are so important. Yes, yes. And we want to get more of those conversations happening, I think. Yeah. I'm curious, though, but you, you and I could probably talk about the money side of things all day, but we yeah. won't do that. Maybe that would be a whole topic for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, what about, were there any other challenges that you feel like you faced in that transition into sort of starting and and setting up and growing your business when you look back now what sort of challenges did you face or come across um interestingly when you talked about your ex-boyfriend when I started with the idea of going into financial coaching I also said to myself that I wasn't it wasn't a big enough change and I felt like I needed to make a massive change, hence the cookie business, <laughs> um, to justify the fact that I wasn't, I shouldn't be in finance. But it's it's actually sort of understanding that there were parts of that that I could bring along with me. And so I feel like I held myself back for most of the time um, mm-hmm. in, in expectations about, oh, I can't do that because I won't be earning enough money. Or I can't do that because it, you know, is left less respectable. Even when I started as a financial coach, like I was like, oh, can I call myself a coach? Because it doesn't sound as professional as an advisor. You know, those mm-hmm. little tiny things that, you know, beliefs in our mind, that they're the kind of things that really probably held me back the most. Um, and again, with money mindset, like it's all, it's so much of this is mindset is 
I felt like for me to be able to um, invest into, like I've done uh, NLP or neuro-linguistic programming mm-hmm. tra- um, coach training, and to do that, it's like I've had to spend quite a lot of money on my training to be the kind of coach that I wanted to be, and I've had to spend money on building a brand and to pay for a website and to all these things that I had to put money into. And so a lot of that, my own money mindset, and I've like everyone still has money mindset, even though I, I speak to people about this kind of thing all the time, it's there's always going to be something new that you uncover. My biggest blocker was that I didn't feel like I could spend the money just in case it didn't work out, you know, and yeah. so... And that held me back for a really long time. And then I just eventually I started spending money and then saw the benefits of it and then I started spending money. And then the more that I spend money on myself, I actually find that then it comes back to, or not on myself, but on building my business and my education around supporting my business. It then actually then comes back to me through the business as well. Um, so those yeah. you know, ideas about money and that kind of stuff probably held me back the most yeah for sure and that's that's where I think there are you know the different levels and sometimes people say oh well once I earn this much money then I won't I won't worry about it anymore and that's just simply not true because at every new level there are new challenges new opportunities new expenses and it just it goes on and on so there it's a generative game the money mindset piece I think well and even before I started my business like I remember when I first had um, my daughter and I was going through a really tough time and and my husband would say why don't you go and see a therapist and I was like Mm -hmm. oh no no I can't because that will cost too much money and I'm not contributing and I put that in inverted commas because I realize I'm looking after our child so (laughs) now I see that as being absolutely ridiculous but I felt I wasn't contributing because I wasn't bringing money in at that time on maternity leave Um, and I felt that if I wasn't earning I couldn't spend it and so I then ended up that I did go and see um, therapists and I've gone to see different coaches. The best thing I did was go and see a career coach and she was like a lot of money and I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I should spend it. And it was a game changer for me in Mm. so many ways. So paying for coaches, paying for courses, um, you know, reading books, all these things that you have to put money in, it's, again, it's like this association between what you're worth is it's like I'm not worth investing that because I'm not bringing the money in at least that was my own belief at the time and yeah I had to be able to I had to spend the money to work through it to be able to and feel that discomfort again like you're talking about the discomfort of things even spending money on yourself can be just you know uncomfortable but it can be really worth it as well yeah and it's again comes back to that whole thing about how you make money decisions because I think sometimes people can you know be faced with a problem and they think oh well, I'll just throw money at it and it will go away but you still need to be informed about the decisions that you make about deciding yes. you know what what courses are actually going to be uh, giving you a return on your investment which coach is right for you at what stage of your business so there's still consideration that has to be put into these decisions but they they and you also need to be looking at them as an investment the Mm. other thing that I think is really interesting with the types of businesses that a lot of the people that are part of this interview series where they are 
a consultant or a coach, a service provider in some capacity, they tend to not have a bricks and mortar business. There's a couple that I've spoken to that do have that as part of their business, but they tend to be more of that uh, online service space. So in terms of business startup costs, they're very little compared to having to pay and sign a lease and pay rent and pay a bond, pay for fit out, all that kind of thing that a, a physical business has. Yeah. And yet uh, the investment in whether it is coaching or training courses or being part of a mastermind or whatever it might be, that investment is so small compared to yeah. what a lease and a business fit out would be. But still, we very often see it as really expensive. And yeah. so I think it's about looking at actually, what are we trying to do here? You're trying to create a business or are you just trying to, is it like it's a little hobby that you're dabbling in mm. and therefore what investment feels appropriate for that? So I think, again, it comes back to those you know, how you're looking at and the mindset that you're bringing to being a business owner, not, you know, someone that's just dabbling with this thing while they figure out what they want to do when they grow up. Yeah. And it's, and there is a big difference between like, you know, just putting it all on black or whatever and just going or just like, and and whereas rather than making small decisions along the way and going, yeah, that, okay, that ended up not being a great decision, but this was a really good decision. And so you, you don't have to throw everything out there and just like jump um it's you know start making little changes and experiments and you know those type of things until you get a little bit clearer and then you can invest the money where you where you can see you'll get the return from it Mm. so one one thing I'm curious about is because I think to the point you raised earlier about wanting to know exactly what the next step was going to be before you take your first move how did you actually work out or decide that the financial coaching was what you wanted to do? Um, I think that I'd, so I'd, it's funny because I keep coming back to a conversation that I had with um, a friend and at some point she was like, because I, I had started a personal development blog, like which was incidentally about getting outside your comfort zone. And I was talking about how I loved the blog and loved the, had the personal development side and, you know, but I, I didn't want to go and be just, I say just, I didn't want to go and be a life coach mm-hmm. per se. And she's like, so why don't you bring the finance and the coaching together? And that was like she kind of planted that in my mind after all these, like all these random things that I'd been doing that weren't, that were anything but finance at the time because I was like I have to make a big change yeah yeah (laughs) um and so I think she planted that seed and then I did my NLP course and I did a few other things and then I was like yeah actually this is feeling more right and I think I was helping a friend out also because um she had separated from her husband and she was like I want you to help me with my budget and to know that I'm going to be okay and that and I was like this is something I love doing like why am I why do I feel like I need to do something completely different? And then once I've just, I had gotten comfortable with it and, you know, had the, did a few, um, you know, I did some test sessions. I did some, as in free sessions with people Mm -hmm. and and it just felt right. And, And I think that was what I just, I always try and keep coming back to as hard as it is, is like you do something and it feels right, keep going, you know, and then yes. you 
if it doesn't feel right, try something else and keep on trying until you find something that actually does feel right. And it, again, it feels a bit woo-woo, but it, it does come back to how aligned it is with the, you know, you at your heart, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Which is a yeah, very totally. difficult thing, you know, to say to someone. It's like, it's a feeling. It's like, but I want clarity. <laughs> yeah. And look, you know what's occurring to me is that, you know, it that brings us back almost full circle to uh, that, you know, the type of women that I think, uh, you know, we're talking about and who is probably listening to this podcast is, you know, someone who has succeeded in a corporate, in a workplace environment that yeah. has celebrated a, ma- a masculine energy of achievement and progress and clarity. Mm-hmm. And so it seems natural that that's, kind of what we are looking for to make the next step but ironically it's it's the embracing of the I guess the softer side of things of trust yeah. and in, internal yourself. wisdom and you know really looking at your values and what's important to you that can feel so freaking unfamiliar So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, no, I just want to know there's definitely one track for me, I get it, I hear you, I've been there and so has Jane. However, just trust the fact that a little bit of experimentation and curiosity is going to go a long way with helping you create whatever the next phase is and to make sure that it's going to be something that is genuinely meaningful and fulfilling for you, which probably is what you're looking for. So that's my little rant Absolutely. <laughs> so Jane if if people are listening and want to find out more about you what you do how do they connect with you where will they find you um they can find me at my website which is just janekwalters.com um I'm also on Instagram under that same handle which is janekwalters and same with on Facebook as well and and um LinkedIn great Awesome. And we'll make sure to put some of those notes in or links in the show notes so that people can easily just click and find you. Yeah. Um, I I was going to say as well that with the money mindset, I have a worksheet if anyone is interested, which is around, um, it's around doing, asking yourself certain questions, which can help you uncover your mindset. So um, I can maybe give you a link to that, um, Chandra, if you want to share that with your listeners. Yeah, cool. We'll do that. And also just finishing up, what are any final thoughts or tips that you would like to share that perhaps if we haven't touched on them already, that if you were to you know, tell a younger version of yourself or a version of yourself that was earlier in this process or someone that's listening who's early stages of, of thinking about uh, what's next for them and maybe they've got a bit of an idea that it might be doing something uh, of their own business. Any yeah. final thoughts or tips to share? Um, I think my biggest tip would be, well, first of all, just do it, but also understand that you are more capable than you think. Um, mm. You've got obviously been, if you've been successful in a corporate career, there's nothing that can stop you from being successful in your own business. And if you follow your heart, you, you know, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, nice. I like it. I like it. Well, Jane, thank you so much for giving us your time today and sharing your insights on your 
process of, of getting to be doing work that it's obvious the sort of passion that you have for what you're doing yeah. uh, is really great to share your story. I'm, I'm curious for you, what's next for you, do you think, in your business direction? Um, oh, I think for me I'm, got, I'm at a point now where I am becoming very busy with my one-to-one and I now need to yep. start thinking about scaling my business, what that looks like, whether it goes to courses or group programs. So for me, I'm, it's going from a one-to-one model um, into building a bigger type of business. So I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the point where I am, um, which is scary and exciting at the same time <laughs> yeah fantastic and it's it's good to get to that point to be thinking about how um you you want to make a business scalable and sustainable for you as well so that you yeah, don't just max out big, your one and to life. make a bigger impact as well sorry yes of the, number, <laughs> the, the number of people that you can work with one-to-one is limited unless you know and even if you did work every single hour of every single day that was available to you you're still going to max out whereas some of the scaling opportunities do broaden out the reach of how many other uh, people and, and women that you can help support. So it'll be exciting times for you to see how things go over the, yeah. the coming year or two. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It was, it was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation. Great having with you, Jane. Thank you. That's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But before you go, I just want to tell you about a great new free resource. If you are early in your business and you want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things at the right time to make sure that your business is profitable as quickly as possible, then you want to go and grab a brand new ebook that I have created, which is called the top four priority focus areas for a profitable first year in business. In this ebook, I have compiled experience and insights from my over five years in business as well as from more than 40 interviews with successful women in business and conversations with other women in business that are in my network and I have summarized all that experience into the top four areas that you need to focus on so you can really create a business that delivers the kind of income and lifestyle that you're looking for. You can get that ebook for free at thetransitlounge.com forward slash top four. I'll be sure to put the link to that into the show notes to make it easy for you to get. So go get it, have a read, then come and join the private.